welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. So let's, let's turn to 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 19. And once again, man, this is just so relevant to where we are um, today in our, in our culture and, and probably where you are personally. Um, he says, we know that we are of God. Now, this is John speaking about what he knows. Now, you might not know that you're of God today, and that's all right. Now, you're welcome at City Chapel. But this is what is possible for you. To, you can know that you are of God. Of God means from God or born of God. He's talked about this. He's recapping, really, what he's already written in his letter. We know, he says, that we are of God or we are born of God. And, he says, the world, the whole world, lies under the sway of the wicked one. Now, that word lies, actually, uh, in your Bible, under the sway of the wicked, or under the sway of, would be in italics, because it's not actually in the original text. So, in the original text, he just simply says, the whole world lies in wickedness. And that word lies, it's like a, it's a, it's a graphic word depicting a picture of an infant lying in the arms of someone. And this is how John, this is how the Holy Spirit sees the entire world. That you have people who are born of God, and then you have people who are literally as helpless as an infant in the arms of someone else. And they are in the arms, not necessarily of the devil. I mean, uh, the New King James says the wicked one, but in the original text, it just simply says wickedness or of wicked. And so... So literally, it could be the wicked one, Satan, but it's not always just a a guy walking around with a pitchfork and a red tail and some horns that is our primary problem. We are held captive, oftentimes, by the wickedness that we do, the things that we get ourselves into. So it's not necessarily, I mean, there are demons and there is a devil and we would be good to be aware of that. But everything that is bad doesn't come from the devil. A lot of times we get ourselves into trouble. And so wickedness actually, Jesus said, whoever sins becomes a slave to sin. And so the entire world, those who are not born of God, they're in a place of helplessness. They're in a place of being trapped. They're in a place literally as helpless as a newborn baby in the arms of somebody. They do not control their own destiny, right? And so uh, <laughs> I, I just thought, I just had a picture, as I, as I said, I just had the picture of, um, what's her name? Ad- Adele, her new, her new song dropped last week, and she talks about how she was young and wasn't able to make choices. Anyway, and, and so I was, I, was, I was thinking about, I don't know if you guys, if you guys not, not heard Adele's new single? What's, what's wrong with you? You've heard it? Okay. I was like, what planet are you all on? Um, I mean, everybody has heard Adele's new single, I think. Like, I thought that was a thing. Are we not like, you guys in the wrong church? You need to go to another church or something. I figured, like, just pray about that. Just pray to the Lord about whether or not you ought to listen to Adele's new single, because everybody else is. And anyway, it was sort of, it was a sad song. Like, surprise, surprise, Adele singing a sad song. But, you know, it's, it, 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 it just came to my mind, because one of the lyrics has to do with her being helpless or, or not able to make, like, decisions that she wants to. And, and, and I, 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 of course, push back on that. I'm like, well, you weren't that young. Like, you were able to make good, good decisions. But at the same time, according to John, the entire world is, is enslaved in sin, and even if they want to do better, they can't do better. 
Even if they want to uh, make better decisions, even if they want to be kind, they can't be kind because they are in, they're being cradled by their own wickedness. They're being cradled by their own addiction. They're being cradled by their own insecurities and their own selfishness and their own pride. They're trapped. They're stuck. And so this ought to not cause us to judge people. This ought to cause us to have empathy for people. That's the idea here. It's like, wait a minute. I can't be mad at them. They're trapped. Just as, just as I was at one point trapped. And so this has given us a perspective on the world that God has. God sees the world as, as being cradled by their own wickedness. And he has great compassion on them. And so John says, look, we are of God, but the entire world is lying in the arms of wickedness. And that's influencing them. That's, that's propelling them in a particular direction. Because the person, the person who's holding you, will be the person that will determine your destiny. And so who's, who's, who's holding you today? Who, in, 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 in whose arms are you lying or resting? And uh, according to John, you have two options. There is wickedness and there is the arms of Christ, the arms of God. And so he says that we are of God. We are being held by God. We have come from God. We are born of God. But the entire world is different. They are under the influence of the wicked one. In verse 20, he says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. I love that. The Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. I'll come back to that in a second. The, the reason for the understanding is so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life three times in that one verse he says the word true because that's the main point of 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 what he's emphasizing about Jesus and about his father that he says he has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we can be once we know him who is true we can then enter into or live our lives in him who is true in his son Jesus this he says is the true God and eternal life. It's interesting, he's mentioning two different people or persons, a father and a son, and he says this is singular, the true God. So that's a little theology for you. Is God three or is he one? Both. And he says this is the true God and eternal life. And he ends his letter with these words, little children, keep yourselves from the fake ones. <laughs> little children, keep yourselves from idols. So he's talking about the true God the true father, the true son, and the true God. And then he says, little children, keep yourself from the fake ones. Uh, keep yourself means to isolate yourself or do not fellowship with or don't go around, don't cozy up to the fake gods, to the idols. And I suppose this is where certain people would say, see, the Bible's not relevant because we don't have a bunch of little idols sitting around. And I suppose that might be true, unless you live in Austin. We actually do have a bunch of little idols sitting around. And uh, so, you know, uh, but he's not just talking about, when he says keep yourself from idols, he's not just talking about, uh, you know, a little fat Buddha that you might carve out of gold and set on your shelf. He's specifically talking about the fake God. And man, I'll tell you one thing, we definitely have a lot of fake gods, we have the God of, well, I, I talked about it today during prayer, the God of affirmation. That if I can just get people to affirm me, then I will be confident in who I am. 
that if I can just get people to say the right things about me, then I will be confident in who I am. So the God of affirmation offers confidence. If we'll serve him, if we will bow down before him, if we will conform our lives around the goal that he presents to us, if we will please enough people enough of the time, if we can make enough people happy um, enough of the time, or if we can make a specific person happy, our spouse or our kids, or if we can get... So we're seeking validation, and this, this God of validation offers to us uh, fulfillment and confidence and peace and rest. And he offers joy, because you'll, you'll be joyful if you're, if, if you're affirmed by people. If you believe in yourself, the God of self-esteem is, is wandering around constantly asking us to bow down to him, to sacrifice everything for him, to give our time, our effort, and our money, and our talents into pleasing him. Several different gods. I don't know, you could do a whole sermon series on, on the gods that are, that are around us. There is the god of success and the god of, of, of family. The god of family that says the most important thing about you is the relationships in your family. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus had something actually very different to say about that. Because, because these are all fake gods. Heck, there's fake Jesuses. <laughs> there's the Jesus that just smiles and, at you no matter what you're doing. He's just in a permanent smile. Like, you know, he went skydiving one time and his face just stuck like that. Like, that <laughs> that's just the way that he is. He, he never says anything. He, he, he always just says, I love you, you know. Uh, like, like, like he's lost his mind. What do you want for breakfast, Jesus? I love you. And I was like, well, yeah, that's great. But um, uh, what college should I go to? I love you. So I was like, well, okay, I was really wondering about other stuff. And, but the, the fake Jesus, there's several fake Jesuses out there. I mean, there's, there's a Jesus that rides on an elephant out there, and he's, he's fake. And uh, then there's a Jesus that rides on, on, a, on a donkey, and these elephants and donkeys are always fighting each other. Uh, there's a Jesus that has a particular skin color, and he's also fake, and he's very proud of his skin color, whichever skin color he happens to be, and depending on who you're talking to, and that Jesus is also fake, because it's not the Jesus of Scripture, it's not the Jesus of the Bible. This Jesus has other goals, other motives, other plans, other value systems. There's a lot of fake Jesuses, and so, you know, there's the gun-toting Jesus, and uh, there's, the, there's the, you need to vote for so-and-so Jesus, you know, the, there's the, and, and so anyway, we, we could talk at length about all of the fake Jesuses, just even, because I happen to be in the church, and those are the ones that I encounter the most, uh, is the fake Jesuses, but there's other fake gods out there, and I think it's very relevant to us, John and the Holy Spirit does not want us to be serving fake gods. And so this is why he says that Jesus, his son, has given us an understanding. We know, verse 20, that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Uh, now, the church I grew up in, um, yeah, just, just coming from that background, I found that to be an interesting way of saying what he's saying. Uh, he says he's given us an understanding, not he's given us a knowledge. Not he's given us a truth. Uh, because the church I grew up in really emphasized truth or understanding a particular truth. And so I, and nothing, nothing against that, that church. I was there for 13 years. But I really think the pastor felt like his main job every Sunday was to educate us on a biblical truth. And so I became very educated. I became very well educated going to that church. And so I learned 
a lot in my head. I learned a lot of truth, a lot of things about what Jesus did on the cross, about the atonement, about, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But in this passage, it seems as if God is saying that what Jesus really came to give us was not just a truth. I think it was Bob Hamp in one of the videos said, Jesus didn't come to, to teach us uh, a new, to give us a new thought, but he came rather to teach us a new way of thinking. And that's actually what the word understanding is. Understanding is not, to where, is not where you have a new thought or you have a revelation that is a new thought, that is knowledge, but rather understanding is how you translate the knowledge that you have. So what he is saying the Son of God has given us, and if you are born again today, you have this, and if you're not born again, you could have this. I believe that God wants every single one of us to have a new understanding. In other words, not just a new set of facts, but rather a new understanding or a new way to view the facts that we see, because facts are constantly shifting and changing. But if God can impart to you a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing, actually the word understanding in the original language here, it's a combination of two words, dia and nous. So dia means to go through something to the root cause of it or to see through something to get to the thing that's causing the thing. And then noose means knowledge. And so dianus is kind of like knowledge, but it's a particular kind of knowledge. It's the kind of knowledge that sees through the surface to the root of it. Sees through things. This kind of knowledge that God wants to give us is not just a new, hey, here's a new fact about God. Go home, apply it to your life. Right? Let's, let's add some knowledge and learn three easy steps to having better finances and four good steps for a, a, more, a more intimate marriage. I mean, those kinds of sermon series are fine and good and well, but I think what God really wants to do is he wants to impart not just a new knowledge, but a new understanding, a shifting of the way that you see things so that you actually see through the marriage. You see through the child rearing, as they call it. You see through the job. You, you, see, you, you, you see through it. And, and yeah, Mary was kind of talking about that in, 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 in her testimony that she went to Kairos and she was able to see through her pain, through her hurt in her marriage, and actually see the person behind it. That there was a person in there who was also hurt that she was married to. And so often, if we could just start to see through things, we could see the root cause of things, the underneath stuff, the invisible stuff behind the visible. This is what God wants to give us. That God, in every situation, he wants you to see through. And what do we see when we see through? He says that he has come to give us the ability to see through circumstances so that we may know him who is true. Because here's the truth. If you peel back your life, if you peel back the circumstances, underneath that you're going to find God. <laughs> the invisible God who has been with you all of your life, who has been faithful to you all of your life, Underneath, you're going to see through because this is what God wants you to see. He doesn't want you to see how, you know, you failed and how you're broken necessarily. I mean, there's a place for that. It's called conviction. But here he says, God is, the Son of God has given us an understanding so that we may know him. 
So the point of it isn't even just to know yourself, even though that is good. And if you're interested in that, look at last week's message about know yourself. That's lovely. But, but ultimately, the greater knowledge is to know him in every circumstance in your life. To see through every circumstance and see what is God doing in this moment. Where is God right now? You see him. And when he gives you this new way of seeing, then sure, you can add some knowledge to that, some, some facts to that that can help you manage money better, that can help you tithe, right? That's a knowledge thing. It's a knowledge to say that God wants us to give 10% of our income to him through the local church. And that with that, God will do things. God will build the local church and reach people. That's, that's knowledge. But understanding is different understanding is, wait a minute, what is God doing in my finances? Because it's, because it's going to be tricky to give up 10% off the top when it's like I'm barely making it already. How can I do that? And so personally, I've, I've had to have an understanding of what God, where is God in my finances and in my bank account? Where is God in my life? I have to figure that one out before I can be obedient to what he's telling me to do. Does that make sense? So, so often, the lack of obedience is just a lack of understanding. We haven't seen deeper into it. We just saw the surface, and we were like, ah, maybe someday when I'm super spiritual, that's when I'll get around to that. But no, like, God has given us the ability to see beneath the surface, to see through the pain within your marriage, to see through the disappointment within your own parenting. To see through the disappointment in the ways that you perhaps squandered money. Maybe money is a big deal. Like to see through that and to see where is God in my life. And so just quickly, I want to give you a couple of points. that Things that, things that Jesus does for us to help us get this understanding. Okay, so the first thing is, is he opens our eyes. He, by his spirit, he has the ability to open our eyes. And I believe he can open your eyes this morning. Uh, there's a passage in 2 Kings that you may have heard about where the prophet Elisha is being pursued by an entire army. Um, and I'm not going to get into that story, but basically the whole army's after him. They find out where he is. He's, he's sleeping at a bed and breakfast, Airbnb, um, in this particular town. And, 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 and he has a servant or he has a, 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 a personal assistant who's with him. And the personal assistant goes out in the morning to collect some, some wood for the fire and all this stuff for breakfast. And he goes out and he sees that the entire army is surrounding this Airbnb. Like, you know, they thought it was secluded. They thought this was a little, little cabin in the woods. But the entire, this enemy army is surrounding them. And they're not there to talk, right? They're there to kill Elisha. And he freaks out. And he runs into the Airbnb. Elisha, we're in big trouble. This is all paraphrased. And then Elisha comes out. And he's like, and, he's, and, and, and he stands there. And he's, he sees all of, the, all of the soldiers creeping in. They see them coming in. And then Elisha says, he answered, do not fear for those who, with us, who are with us are more than those who are with them. <laughs> and, and remember, it's just the two of them. Like it's, it's just the two of them at the Airbnb. And, 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 and Elisha's looking around and he's like, yeah, okay, um, there's more with us than them. Like he's counting or something. And, and, his, and his servant is like, what are you talking about? And so Elisha says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see now his eyes were already working that's how he saw the soldiers like so he doesn't mean open his like natural eyes instead he means give him an understanding of what you are doing in this situation and so Elisha had an understanding he saw with his physical eyes they're outnumbered they're in trouble but then he didn't react to that what he saw he reacted to what he understood 
And this is what God wants us to do. And, and if you don't have an understanding, if you're looking around your life right now and you're like, man, my finances are surrounded or my health is surrounded or my, my options are, are like if, if, you, if you feel like the enemy is closing in on you, a wonderful thing to do is pray, Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes so that I can see what you are doing, so I can see through the hurt, the pain of my marriage, so I can see through the disappointment, so I can see through my own failure, perhaps, so I can see through the impending feeling of anxiousness, so I can see through this. I need to be able to see through this. And this is what happens. God opens up his eyes, and, 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 and he did, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. In other words, there was all these angels all around them. And suddenly, the man's spirit calms down. Suddenly, he's not so afraid. Suddenly, he's not freaking out. Now, you can tell somebody, stop freaking out. And, and <laughs> But when you actually understand, when you have an understanding of what where God is in your life, and this, this is what I was talking about just during prayer. If God could heal, God would want to heal our memories because he had not left you in those times. And so sometimes it's a prayer and saying, God, this, this memory, this flashback keeps coming to my mind. Can you tell me where you were in that moment? Open my eyes. And it's lovely about the memories, but also in the present time right now. Lord, where are you right now? What are you doing right now? Now, where, where are you? I, I, can't, I can't see you. All I can see is the difficulty. All I can see is the hardship, um, which I, I, I totally relate to that. Um, we moved to Texas. Uh, I never wanted to live in Texas. Um, yeah, it's public confession time. Um, figure, since, since we're sharing our hearts, I might as well just get that out of the way. Um, I'm from Michigan. I'm from Port Huron, Michigan. It's not hot up there, okay? It is hot down here. Uh, we don't have fire ants up in Michigan. Um, I don't know if we have that many snakes. I never saw any. I mean, I guess out in the woods there are some, but who goes out there? Uh, so, you know, yeah, except the militia. Like, you don't go out there if you're not a part of the militia. You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, we moved to Texas. God calls us to Texas. And, and honestly, it was the people. It was the, the people is what we were drawn to. The people, you all. Like, that's why we're in Texas. It's not for the weather. It's not for the heat. It's not for the fire ants. It's for you all. So, um, anyway, so God, so God connected us with people and called us to people. And then God called us to start a church uh, called City Chapel. And uh, we felt like God was calling us to this area. But we lived way out um, toward Wimberley, like in San Marcos. And so for the first six months of the church we drove every Sunday I was driving the trailer up here setting up and tearing down and and then every time we go to meet with somebody I'm driving so a lot of driving going on and we wanted to be closer and so we were like Lord could you open up a uh, could you open up a door for us to get a house but we didn't have we had like a thousand dollars in savings uh, we weren't making very much at all nobody's gonna loan us anything so we had to have owner financing there's all this stuff that had to fall into place and long story very long story short, God just opened up this door for us to get this property that we're currently living in. It's 14 acres in Buda, and it's close enough to everything, um, but it's also large enough to where we can have horses. My wife loves horses, and the kids love it. And so anyway, God just really, I mean, it was a God thing. It was a God um, just opportunity moment, and we knew it. Um, and so we moved on it. We, we acted on it, and it was, it was, it was what we needed. 
Um, but it was not comfortable. And I know as soon as I say that, you're like, because eh, eh, eh. as soon as, like, so the whole time that I, I, I would preach, those of you that were with us back then, Cassie, maybe, you might remember every Sunday I would complain about our property. Um, and it wasn't really complaining, it was preaching on it. I was using it for your all's benefit um, because it was a shack. I mean, literally, our house, like seriously, was a shack. We, it was 14 acres of nothingness and a shack. And the, like, lit, like the shack was falling apart. Um, we had rats in the house running through the kitchen. Like one night, there was this large rat running through. And then we couldn't find him and hunt him down, so we just had to go to... Like, it flooded. We were only there for like three months and found out that it was built too close to our little lake. So when, whenever uh, there was the, 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 um, the Buda floods and uh, the Onion Creek floods, like, it, our house had two and a half feet of water in it. And so we had to board up the bottom half and live at the top half. So we're sharing... We're sleeping in the kitchen. The kids are in the living room. I mean, it was a shack. And like, if, if somebody was, 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 had a bomb fire somewhere you'd smell it blowing through the house that's how many holes there were in the house there was mold in the roof you could see it at certain parts I mean it was a shack we had we had honeybees living in our walls before we moved in they they extracted like humanely extracted it was a four foot long hive that was like three foot tall in the wall I'm, I don't know, maybe this is normal for you all, but this is not normal. Like, we, that's not how we roll in Michigan, all right? We don't, like, we're not one with nature like that. Like, it's just, like, you got your spot, I got my spot, and we're like, we'll just, we'll just stay together. But no, and then it turns out that they missed it. A whole nother corner of the house had honeybee hives in it. So my kids kept getting stung because there were bees on the floor. I mean, it was, it was rough. Every, and then, and then the ants came to eat the, the dead bees and the larvae and all that. Like it was a it was a shack, and it was difficult. And one morning, um, we were working on. We've since built a new house on our property, thank God. Uh, but while we were working on that, right, it took about a year. While we were working on that, one morning about 4 a.m., I'm awakened by water just pelting the house, like it's like a like a thunderstorm kind of thing, which is bad when you live in a house that floods. Literally, every time it rained a lot, water would be coming into our living room. Ro and I would be. Is scooping up water and putting it in these these totes and stuff. It was bad, and uh, so water is pelting. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to get up. Like we need to. So so I jump up. It's four in the morning. I stick my head out and it's not raining. Well, that's because. But I hear the water. There's this stream of water shooting right at the wall by our bed, because one of the horses. We have horses on our property. It's just it's just big dumb dogs, like like two thousand pound. Think of a 2,000 pound like puppy, like it doesn't know his head from a hole in the ground. And he's just like walking around. He trips over, I guess we had a spigot. It was a, it was a, it was a PVC pipe spigot in the ground. He tripped over it. Somehow he got into our house area. I don't know. He got through the fence somehow. I don't know. And then he trips over it and it broke the spigot and water's just gushing everywhere, right? And so this is about $10 a minute that we're losing. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we got to figure this out. So Ro runs up there. She, we have to turn off the water at the, at the, at the, at the road, right? To kill the, pro- to kill the water to the whole property. And that started for me a very long day. 
of literally, I think it was three or maybe four trips to Home Depot. You know, I mean, you know how it is. If you're not a professional, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. That's what I need. You talk to the guy and then you go try it and it's like, oh, it doesn't fit. I need to go back. And so, I mean, literally like four trips later, it was like six hours later. It was about 10 or 11 a.m. It's starting to get hot out there under the Texas sun. I'm working on this PVC thing. And the whole time I'm just complaining about the property because I really, you know, I would joke about it, but really I didn't like living there. I mean, you know, honeybees in the wall, rats running around. That's not counting the fire ants and the snakes. We had like a lot of snakes because they hadn't mowed the place in like forever and they let it grow over. And so snakes got, I mean, we had water moccasins and stuff like, you know, so anyway, I didn't like living there. And there was all these gates. Every time like I wanted to leave, I had to open two or three gates to get out of my driveway. And I always forget my phone. And so I get to the very top and I'd be like, Man, it's a 15-minute trip back down to the house because of all the stupid gates. Because you don't want the horses to get out because they, you know, they're being held against their will. So they'll just wander right on out there. Like, they don't care. They're gone. So we, so we, we trapped all these poor animals and, and then, and they were making them live on this place with us. So I was, just, I was frustrated. In fact, that week I had read from the book of Job. You guys might've heard about Job. And I was finding comfort, like in the beginning, I, I, I forget what verse it is, but in the beginning chapters, it says about Job's life before everything went south, he had a lot of land, he had a lot of animals. And I said, ha, that's where he went off. 